it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Presents the pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwu Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 5.7 of the pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In today's episode, you'll hear about a challenging two-week stretch without a game in November. In the first half, you'll hear from Coach Tonegal about the frustrations that were mounting in the locker room and how as a coach he was seeking progress rather than perfection. In the second half, Tanner Rubio will join to talk about his return from injury and some of the struggles and frustrations he experienced along the way. We're joined again by Greg Tonegal. And Coach, uh, two episodes ago we talked about how we had a 10-day stretch without a game and we saw some explosive growth. Uh, But we actually had a team that canceled the game because their school shut down. So after one game... After 10 days off, we had two more weeks off in a row, which meant one game in a a three-and-a-half-week stretch, which we've never experienced in midseason. So what were you seeing in the team as we went through those two weeks of practice? Well, I remember in in, uh, preparation, uh, preseason, like when you see usually a a week or you see this gap, you think, man, there's so much opportunity to get better. But then as you start playing, it really breaks your rhythm. And what you don't want is that space for, for a number of reasons, I think. And one being, and this sometimes happens, I know for us and with me, you just kind of begin to pick apart your team and you begin to overcoach and you begin to underlead. And uh, we, we've been to see that with our team. I think we had some great ideas going in. We were going to be very competitive. We were going to split them up and, and uh, just get after it. But practicing and practicing without playing over time, I, I know I began to look at our team uh, and put them in a box and really begin to assess each and every day by what they were not doing. And it did take but a couple days, and we hated our team. <laughs> I want to get you use the word box, and I want to get to box first line again in a minute. But first, I know for me, in preseason or in these midseason stretches, uh, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, well, there's always a winner, and you can, because it's your team on both sides of the ball, and you can look at the good things because there's always one team doing something well. But the tendency after a stretch is to start to focus on the negative, the team that lost or the things that aren't perfect. Why do you think it is as as a leader that we tend to think where are things not perfect and to dwell in that space? Well, I think um, it it cracks me up when we walk out of practice and the set of coaches who had the winning team is saying we had a great (laughs) practice. The coaches who had the losing team are like, horrible practice. We should come back tonight. And and we all kind of laugh at each other because it is. You you only see things through – you know, that team you were coaching and, and what they did not do. And I think that's just human tendency is it's easy to, to judge and evaluate whether it's our performance or somebody else's performance by, by what they're not doing. And, you know, we call that the box versus the line. And it's this idea that we often measure our growth by what we're doing or not doing. It's either or. We're either in the box or we're out of the box. But the reality is life's not lived in a box. It's, it's more lived along a path. It's, it's on a line. And what we like to say is if we project our growth on that line, what we want to do is, is, is ask the question, where am I at on the line? And the more important factor is, am I moving forward? So it doesn't really matter if I'm behind everybody or in front of everybody, but am I moving in the right direction? Therefore, uh, whether it's spiritual growth or whether it's basketball growth, it's not about being in or out. It's about where am I moving? And one of the things I think we see over time is uh, moving along the line and, and 
pursuing the I Am Third Life. It's never a, a destination you arrive at. It's something you constantly pursue. Uh, and I remember a prayer time we had as a, as a coaching staff uh, during this stretch, and, and you just gathered us for prayer. And what came out is frustration from us. Um, there's just some kind of confession, I think. I went first. You know, I've really been frustrated with the team, and then other coaches stepped up, and we all kind of sensed we were there. We had all fallen back into this box type of thinking. Um, and you went back and spent some time, and you came to the team before, and you said, hey, guys, right now it seems like we're all pursuing perfection but as a coach, I'm seeking progress, not perfection during this stretch. This stretch. Uh, what were you thinking in that time, and, and what were you trying to convey to the team to get us back on that line moving forward? Well, I think I recognize just the, the paralyzing effects uh, when you lay an expectation of perfection upon anybody that you're leading, because ultimately they'll never reach that. It doesn't matter how good they are, they're not going to be perfect. And that really stifles growth. But rather, I think what you do is you give your, your team permission to fail. And you say, look, this journey is going to be marked by failure. In fact, those moments of failure are those, are those opportunities to grow. And it's, it's really reframing how we look at failure. And, uh, you know, you've, you've heard that phrase chasing failure. And if we can teach our guys to chase failure, I think what they're going to do is open up opportunities for growth. They're going to stretch themselves in ways that they normally wouldn't because they're, they're, they're afraid to fail. And, uh, sometimes in coaching, I think, uh, maybe subconsciously we can begin to expect perfection and therefore not give our guys opportunities to grow. And we recognize that once again, it came through prayer. It came through just a time of conviction. And I think I had to be honest as a leader and say, look, I screwed this up. Let's, let's go back to our guys and tell them what we really want out of them in this next phase of, of season. It strikes me as you talk how the concept of chasing failure sounds good until you failed. And when you're in that moment of failure, <clears throat> It's a lot harder to really believe in chasing that failure in the name of growth. Uh, and it's interesting how prayer is really what redirected our thoughts to say, no, this, this is what we're pursuing. This is where we're going over the course, and we're not defined by this moment. What role does prayer pl play as you pursue the line rather than the box? Well, I think sometimes when we're praying for other people, God often uh, reveals our own heart, our own attitudes, uh, maybe our own perspectives. And that's what, that's what God is. I was praying for my team saying, God, why are we not practicing well? God said, look, because you're not coaching well. Uh, he probably said it a little nicer than that. But it, this goes back to our vision of uh, being unconscious. When, when you're focused on yourself and you're thinking inward, of course you're afraid to fail because you're, you're, look, you're asking the question, well, what is everybody thinking about me? And how do I look in front of other people? But as we were digesting uh, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 4, you know, Paul said, I, I got into this place in life where I don't care what other people say about me, and I don't even care what I say about me. And when you can get to that unconscious place, you don't care about failing because it's momentarily, uh, you, it's, it's just a blip in that journey because you ultimately know that failure is going to produce some amazing growth. And so if you don't care what other people think, those are great moments and those are great opportunities. Now, I wish this episode ended with this like nice little story where we got done with two weeks and we went and we all of a sudden were back on the line and we were, um, you know, played this great game, but it doesn't. Uh, we went to Mount Vernon, we scored 62 points. It was our first conference game. It was probably the lowest output that we've had. And part of it, Mount Vernon was a good defensive team. They were a top five team. They were playing very, very well. But 62 points is pretty hard with Kyle Mangus on your team and uh, the the explosive power we had to go in and lay up 62 points shows that we didn't have it all figured out in that moment. Talk us through that game. 
Well, it was a big conference game. Like you said, top five matchup. We're on the road. It's the return of, of Tanner Rubio. We had great expectations to go in there and compete. And as you said, it, it was an ugly, ugly offensive performance. One, one of the, the worst of the season, but maybe of the decade uh, for us. It was anything but unconscious. And I think it was that moment, too, as a coach. It was like, hey, let's scrap everything. we got to go in a new direction. <laughs> and that that's where I think being in, in prayer with other men gave me a perspective. I was like, hold on. Uh, don't overreact to this. Uh, let's really begin to seek and discern what, what's going on. What do our guys need? Do they need a tough film session? Do they need a Bible study? Do they need to just go run? You know, what what is it that they need? Because uh, they're Every moment in season uh, is requiring some different form of leadership or response. And if, if we're leading out of self, I, I think we're going to miss it quite often. So I think we just went back in prayer and began to ask, okay, how do we get this team back on track? And I want to go back to Tanner because he's coming on in the second half. And he's going to share more of his journey. And uh, it's so fun now at the end of the season to look back and see how he grow, grew and how well he was playing. But that was his first game back from injury. And he had... Probably the worst all-time individual game that any player in our program has had. I remember the number of times on the bench, you looked over and you're like, what is he doing out there? Oh. <laughs> Since we can laugh about it now, what did you see from Tanner in that game? Yeah, we can laugh about it now. We weren't, we weren't laughing then. Um, it's hard for transfers uh, to acclimate and then throw on top of that Tanner's injury. So he, he had the deck was stacked against him. And uh, but But Tanner, I think what makes Tanner so special is He's an aggressive, fearless guy. Uh, he, 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 he trends that line of fearless and reckless. Uh, and he was reckless that night. He, he took probably five shots that were probably 10 feet behind the three-point line. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. A couple of them hit the rim, I think, to his credit, maybe. Um, but he was trying, and, and he was just trying to force it. It was probably my fault for bringing him back because we had the conversation that week with our trainer. And she was like, look, you can, you can bring him back this week, or you can just wait. And I'm thinking, well, we need him on this road trip. And obviously it didn't work out that well. But but to Tanner's credit, I mean, he wasn't fighting us after the game. I think he, he we had a conversation that went something like, man, I really blew that, didn't I? <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll get you back. It's going to take a little time, but we'll get you back. And we'll, we'll hear from him and his perspective on this early season struggle. But uh, going forward over the next month, it wasn't just like Tanner had one bad game and all of a sudden he snapped out of it and he was better. There was some moments of struggle and there were some really challenging conversations with him, especially heading into Christmas break, uh, saying, hey, we need you to get on our page. We're not catering to who you think you should be as a player. We need you to fulfill the role that you have for us and really play into your gifts and your strengths. Ultimately, he went to another level because he had the humility to buy in. Uh, but go inside some of those challenging conversations and why it was so important to to not just be nice to Tanner and expect he was going to come out, but to be very honest with him. Yeah, those are those are those are very difficult conversations, and they they happen over time. And I think with Tanner, it was a mix of can I just share my heart with you? Then it was can I show you some film? Then it was hey, can I give you some statistics? I mean, as a coach, I think you're always looking for. Uh, a factor, uh, a reason, a motivation to, to open the, the eyes of your players. And I think over time, Tanner began to see it. And you begin to see that the team's potential, it lied not in his ability to take us there by just forcing things, but surrendering. It was that whole, uh, you know, life begins when, when we begin to die to self. And once again, it fit into this theme of conscious, of being unconscious. It fit into what I Am Third is about. It's about dying to yourself and pursuing something greater. And as Tanner began to do that, which was a slow process, the team began to come to life. And we were playing 
unbelievable basketball in, in late January and February, the best in my 15 years here. And I give Tanner credit for that. We were rolling because of Tanner, but it wasn't because he was necessarily trying harder. It was because he was dying to himself. Last thing, Coach, you, you've talked a lot about box first line. And, and what's interesting in, in this episode is, on one hand, you're leading a team along the line. And the team is playing well. And then you have an individual that comes back and it, it hurts the way the team is growing. And so you you have this tension of leading a team along the line, but leading different individuals along that line and wanting everybody to grow, grow in the same direction. What's that tension you feel when there's one guy who maybe is in a different place on the line than the rest of the team to continue to pull him along to catalyze the team forward? So I think as a leader, you know, like I, I've, I've said this before, but the hardest thing is to align a group of people around one single common mission. And because you're always guys are at different places and you're always balancing that. And I think this is where you're really relying upon your staff, uh, one for insight, because they're going to give you different perspectives and offer various angles of insight. But two, some guys just connect with guys in, in better ways. Uh, you know, there were times where I was like, man, I, I'm not getting through to Tanner, you know, and I know you had taken the, the reins for a little bit and you had had conversations with him and coach Osborne had, had reached out with Tanner. And, and there was a moment where, Tanner and I went out to breakfast. Uh, we, we hit up J&L one morning. And for me, it was just kind of another breakfast. But you would have thought I took Tanner to Disneyland. Uh, he was so <laughs> excited. He, he went back and told one of the other coaches. He just couldn't believe that, you know, I'd taken the time to take him to breakfast. And it was a reminder to me, uh, we invest into people with our time. Um, and what Tanner needed at that moment was was just some time carved out for him. You know, we didn't talk about his role or basketball much. I just remember shooting the breeze, getting to know him better. But that gave me some equity, and uh, I think that allowed me to maybe have some of those difficult conversations down the road, and it slowly began to turn things around for him. And we'll hear from Tanner when we come back in the second half. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG president, Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. Welcome back to the second half. We're joined again by senior Tanner Rubio. and We heard some of his journey to Indiana Wesleyan in episode two. Uh, but Tanner, we're going to fast forward to a moment uh, that we mentioned in that episode in the alumni game where you're playing really well. You're a catalyst for our offense, and uh, you break your hand. What went through your mind in that moment and over the next couple of weeks as you knew you were going to have to sit out for a little while? Yeah. Well, I remember the, I remember the second it happened, uh, <laughs> Coach T kind of uh, scolded me because I, I remember gambling on a steal. I had no business gambling on <laughs> And just ran, ran in Isaiah, and it was just you know a super unfortunate situation. You know, I tried to keep playing on it because I thought it was just a jammed finger, but, you know, it hurt enough to where, you know, I went over to the trainer. She said, you broke your hand. And 
I went over I went over to the doctor's office and they said you have a clean break um, I think it was like the the fourth metacarpal and I remember this was this was a tough situation because I remember going uh, driving home from uh, the doctor and I called my dad and I said dad like I broke my hand and I could tell like he was just he was super hurt by it because you know I wanted this so bad and you know things were going so well and then after I hung up the phone I just started crying and I was just like and I just started like saying like God like why <laughs> right like I've, I feel like I've come so far like this entire preseason we're a week we were a week away before our first game and I was like God what are you doing <laughs> like I, I just want to know like what is this process and you know, am I even supposed to be playing here? Am I just supposed to watch? Like, I just want to know what my purpose is here. And it, that was kind of, yeah. It was a really interesting time to watch and walk alongside you because all accounts from how you ended up here to the prayer meeting as a coach, it seemed like prayer had fueled your journey. And I know so often for me, I think if God's out in front, then I'm going to get what I want and it's going to go the way I expect because that's the way God works. But in this moment, you were having everything taken away. Basketball was taken away. You couldn't practice. You couldn't play. You, your family, your home, Florida, you were kind of out in the middle of nowhere on your own. You couldn't play. And in this time, the team was playing really, really well. So it was a challenging time. What was God doing in your heart during that time? And how did you really have to grow and learn? I think the, the biggest thing was God was really just, I could feel him getting my attention and him truly saying, you know, I need you to fully lean on me because, you know, every, everything, you know, outside of my life was just like, it wasn't going horrible, but it was essentially, it was just taken away. And, you know, it, they were all things that I've leaned on my entire life and, or, or for years. And God said, look, you need to fully trust in me right now. And, you know, he took, and, you know, I remember at the time I was going through uh, a breakup with a former significant other of three years. And, you know, I was really heartbroken about that. And, you know, that was taken away. And then basketball was taken away. And then my family was taken away. So, like, for the first time in my life, I truly felt on my own. And I couldn't go to anyone but God. And like you said, prayer was just fueling that entire thing. And, it's amazing to see how much more clarity and joy you can have when you just continue to stay faithful to what God is doing. It wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it was not easy. And it, it, it's, it's amazing now to see how the year ended, to look back at that time and see how you needed to go through that to end up where you did. But part, part of me at the time was thinking, well, he'll come back. And then everything will be great. And so let's go to your first game back. We're we're ranked number two in the country. We're going on the road to Mount Vernon. Um, it's going to be your first game back. Uh, and I got the box score pulled up here. Um, our team scored 62 points. You were 0 for 7 from the field. 0 for 4 from 3. I think three of those didn't hit the rim or backboard. Uh, and you had three turnovers. Uh, go back to that game. Uh what was going through your mind and what transpired on the court? I was, I remember when I first checked in, I'm like, I, I gotta make a, I gotta make an impact right away. Like, like, and I was like, I, I just want to help us win. Like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what, this is the big, this is the, this is a big day for me. <laughs> and 
I just I remember coming out and the game felt so fast and I was I was just in shock. I felt like a freshman all over again. <laughs> I was just I was just in shock about how fast it was and and yeah, I go I went back and watched the film. I just I looked like I I looked like a spaz. I just I didn't <laughs> it didn't look like myself. I had no pace and I wasn't thinking and um I was just making awful decisions like like just bad shots and you guys, I, I just remember looking at you guys on the bench every time I shot. You were like, no way. Is this kid serious? <laughs> like, uh, it was just it was just like, I just remember thinking like, man, I'm never going to play again after this. <laughs> well, the, the, what we had on our favor, one, we really had felt like God had spoken about who yeah. you were going to become. And we had right. seen you in the preseason. So we knew what you were capable of. But in that game... I remember talking to a couple coaches in the league uh, who had watched the film, and they say, "Hey, is kind of like not in a in a joking way, like, hey, is Tanner uh, ever going to figure this out, or is he going to help you, or <laughs> just because it was it was that bad that first game?" Um, talk about just going forward from there. How do you respond from that? Because the team was playing well, you come back, the team loses, you don't play well. How much uncertainty was in your mind at that point, and how much doubt did you start to have? Right. Uh, yeah. So, like, my my, I started to get super down on myself. I, I started to like come to the realization that I I can't hoop anymore. <laughs> right. Like, I lost all confidence that I had. Just you know, shots that felt good weren't even close. And you know, I would just replay that game in my mind. I was just like, man, I don't even belong here. Like, I just need to hang it up. And it got. And then I just, all I can think of is, like, how great, not only, like, you guys were the coaching staff, at, you know, after that game, you said, look, this it can't get worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like, you said, like, that's about as bad as it's going to get. You have to, you know, continue to trust this process of just adjusting to the team. And the coolest part about it was my teammates were in shock. Like, I remember, I remember, um, dudes on the bench telling me like whoa like how did you play division one <laughs> and but you know over the course of time they were just like look we have confidence that you're a great player and that you can help this team win some games and like do not get discouraged like and they just continue to speak life into me and just say like look we believe in you and we know you can do the things that we've seen every day in practice and it's going to translate to a game. It's like, like, we're sorry this happened. Like, you were horrible today. But, you know, it's just kind of like that. It's just a, a season of humility, like I said, because, you know, naturally I, I had all the confidence in the world. It was it was probably cockiness, not confidence. And it was, you know, kind of going through it, understanding that, you know, it's not about me. Like, it's not about me right now. And I have to remember my, my sole purpose as – you know, I'm playing for the Lord, and I, I'm I'm playing for my teammates and coaches who believe in me. So it was just, but it but it it didn't change overnight. O over the course of the next yeah, four games, right. there was a lot of inconsistency um, yeah. leading up to the Madonna game. Um, you know, late in the game, you made a couple questionable decisions. Uh, maybe try to have the home run play. We lost in double overtime. And I remember you were distraught. We we were heading home for Christmas uh, within the next week. Uh, you were asking if it was going to get better. 
And I remember there were some very frank and challenging conversations about if you were going to buy into what we saw for you or not. Um, what was going through your mind as you went home for Christmas with some of those challenging conversations? How were you processing it? And how were you really surrendering those things? Well, it was kind of, it was kind of like special to me because there was a, there's like a fine line, like from a coach's perspective where, you know, you give a kid an opportunity and if he continues to, you know, do things that you're telling him basically not, not, not to do, but you, you know, things that don't help your team win, eventually, you know, your hands are tied as a coach to where you're like, okay, I don't think I can give you this opportunity anymore. So I remember on the bus ride back home to Madonna, you know, I went up to you and I was like, like, what am I doing? And you basically just, you held me accountable. You said, look, like, I'm telling you, if you just shift your mindset and you become a part of what we're doing here and trust us, basically just a super big trust, you know, exercise. And you said, if you just trust us to put you in a position to be, to put you in a position to be successful and the team to be successful, you're going to have so much joy playing. And like, that was one of the biggest things when I came back, I wasn't, I felt like I was still playing, you know, for my previous coach and trying to win your approval and I was scared to make a mistake or take a shot, and I wasn't playing with freedom. And, and when we got back you know, over the Christmas break, I was just, I was just like, okay, we need to, we need to change, we need to change everything. <laughs> we need to, we need to take a step back and realize that, you know, you're given a great opportunity here, and you just need to trust. And you know, God is telling you to tr- put your trust in someone else right away. And, you know, when I came back, um, I, I wouldn't say it happened right away, but like I said, it was just that unique process of just taking a step back and getting outside myself and, you know, trusting all the guys around me. And, and it's it, it was really what was amazing to watch, and we'll, we'll get into this in future episodes, was how as you fully surrendered to the team, as you put God first on other second, uh, and just said, hey, this is what I'm being asked of. I'm going to do this thing for my team all of a sudden, your whole game opened up and you went to another level. Uh, but sometimes it, I think people get this false perception, oh, and I am third culture, just everybody's nice to each other. Uh, we pray 14 hours a day and then things <laughs> work out. But there were some really challenging, high accountable conversations through that time, but built on a, a, a foundation of trust and credibility. Uh, last thing, Tanner, what, what, as you look back, were the value of those um, challenging conversations in your growth through this year. Right. And it, it wasn't just like, it wasn't just between like players and coaches. It was players and players. Cause I remember having difficult conversations with Kanan in the locker room talking about like, Hey, like I want to help us win. And I'm not doing that. And Kanan told it to me straight up. He's like, Hey, look, I feel like you do this at times and maybe you should try this. <clears throat> just fully trusting that up. And, it's in, you know, having that I am third like culture within the team. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you could say we're nice to each other, but it's like it's more like you're building a brotherhood. And when it comes to having a sense of brotherhood, the accountability is going to be had. And like that was the, that was probably the biggest thing that people missed out on us that didn't get to see behind the scenes was the amount of accountability that went on. Like I, each player on the team had at least one person that held them accountable to pushing themselves 
you know, beyond their comfort zone. And mine happened to be Kanan and Mango and Trevor, who just held me accountable for making those decisions. And Trevor, before every game, he would tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, make the simple play. Trust it. And every single game. And people not, people never saw that behind the scenes because they just saw it translated into a game. But, like, those difficult conversations, you know, were so necessary to us being successful and people never really got to see it. But I'm, like, I'm super thankful that I was able to be in an environment and culture where teammates, you know, they love you enough because because of the prayer time, because of the, you know, the time we spent together off the court. When you tell me to do something, I'm going to say, oh, you know, that's coming from a good place. You know, same from a coach's perspective, too. Yeah, and it's, it's such a great example of how real growth and transformation has to start with a place of self-awareness. Because uh, if you don't think anything's broken, you don't have to fix it. And that's the value of having uh, people to journey with who can be honest with you and, and call you on things because they believe and see something greater in you. And we'll be uh, looking forward in future conversations in this season to, to hear more about how your season finished. On the next episode, you'll hear about how after averaging only 68 points in the first two conference games, the team exploded for nearly 100 points in a win against a top 10 team. In the first half, Coach Tonegal will share about his journey in the days leading up to the game, and you'll gain insight into how his leadership goes beyond X's and O's. In the second half, Seth Maxwell will share about his journey in the early part of his sophomore season and what happened in that pivotal game in early December. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWOOHOOPS. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.